Greetings, salutations, and welcome back, friends and neighbors, ladies and germs. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you out there in Radioland. We're catching up with the boys for part two of the 2023 holiday special extravaganza, highlighting the Japanese G1 series. Here to catch us up on the action through song, Mr. Bing Crosby. Oh, thank you, baby. Well, hit it. The headmaster said on transactors bonding too. Two mics too furious bring the hot takes to you. Outside the snow is falling, shockwave is calling, woohoo! Come with Autopod Decepticast, we will talk you through. Super God, Super God, Super God, let's go. Master forces the show. We're riding in a human centric show. Alcohol, 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 alcohol. We had a snowball. Shockwave is still here and he's lonely. Shock mommy is tall. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Hey, cut it. What the hell? Hey, baby, what is this shit? It makes no sense. No, no, no. I'm going back to doing ads for General Electric. This is malarkey, man. The ghost of the iconic moment said this was a solid gig and now I kind of just think he's some kind of fucking asshole messing with us dead celebrities. You can all go take a flying leap. Where's my car? Well, get out of here then, you overrated crooner. I never liked you anyway, you Minute Maid crumb bum. Your songs may be catchy, but so is the flu. All right, listener, batten down your hatches because we pick back up with the Transformers trio as they steam toward talking victory and zone. Now, we join our hero journey, already in progress. Y'all want to talk about some victory? Hell yeah. Yeah, let's close this thing out. Only we've got another thing after it. Oh, yeah. All right, victory ran uh, from March through December of 1989. And apparently, the full, like you said, Aaron, the full name of the show is Fight! Exclamation point. Super Robot Lifeform Transformers colon victory. I love it. <laughs> In the early stages, the program was worked out by, again, uh, Masumi Kaneda. In brief, Kaneda was the showrunner, like you said, of all the Japanese G1 cartoons. He wrote the early treatment for Victory, but for unknown reasons, wasn't much involved in the show's actual production. Uh, Hiroyuki uh, Hoshiyama gets head writer credit on this one. Um, I saw that phrase a lot in researching Victory, for unknown reasons. All right. Apparently, a few of Kaneda's original ideas did make it to screen, as evidenced by the wildly different versions between the anime and the manga, which Kaneda did script. He scripted the manga. Um, and I read that the manga is fucking way wilder than the show. And that, So, for considering, concerning the difference here, I'm just going to read the following passage from TF Wiki, because I really couldn't paraphrase it. Um, Kaneda's earliest treatment of the series, written in September 1988 and illustrated by uh, Ban Megami, as seen at right, I'll put the illustrations they show on the website, I'll put them up on, the, on our website on Patreon, they included prototypical versions of the characters who would become Star Saber and Deathsaurus, with Brainmaster and Breast Force gimmicks already in place, as well as the Brainmaster Trio, the Multiforce, a non-bestial Victory Leo, and four main iterations of Breast Force. 
We'll talk about Breast Force a little bit. Breast Force. Breast Force. Perhaps most interestingly, characters based on Thunderwing, Crossblades, and Vroom all appear in prominent positions among the Decepticons, and the treatment obviously called for the return of all six Headmaster Juniors from Master Force to fill out the series' human cast alongside Star Saber's human son, Jan? Uh, Jan? It's J-A-N. How do you say that? Anybody know? Let's just say J-A-N. Jan? Whatever. Minikaze. And I'll try to explain a lot of what these characters and classifi- classifications mean in the new character segment, but what immediately jumped out to me is that a version of Thunderwing was supposed to be in this show. It was a character I love from the Marvel comics. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Thunderwing is a rogue Decepticon pretender who got a hold of the Matrix and tainted it toward the end of the Marvel run. And I don't think he's ever been featured in an animated show. Yeah, I was well, and I, that makes me wonder why he wasn't a pretender in the previous series. Yeah, since that was the pretender-centric mm. one. Maybe because they were doing humans. Well, it's there were monster demons pretenders too, but he wasn't really a monster in his pretender shell. He would, looked more humanoid, just sort of evil. I don't know. It, one more question: Do you know if the Headmaster Junior characters? I think I read somewhere. That the Headmaster Juniors, though, are no longer humanoid, though. They are like robots with personalities, and the human element is well, sort of excised from they're them. Not, is that incorrect? No, it's not, but like they're not. The Headmaster Juniors really aren't. They're not in the show. They're just in the original treatment. They basically oh, turn the I Micromasters see. into that. Okay. Um, so, just for some of the new characters, there's some bananas ass shit with these combiners. Oh, we'll talk about the characters in specific detail when I do the plot overview, but I'm going to lay out like the main players and the different classes of weirdos. So Star Saber is our main Autobot Supreme Commander, like Dwight D. Eisenhower in World War II. Uh, Death Saurus is a Decepticon Emperor of Destruction, so he's our main antagonist. And then we have these Brain Masters, and there are four Brain Masters. Star Saber is one. He's the Brain of Courage. Blacker is the Brain of Strength. Laster is the brain of skill, and Braver is the brain of intelligence. <laughs> like calling the stomach the okay. <laughs> organ of food. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if I... Maybe I do break it down a little bit. I'm not entirely sure what brain... Brain masters are kind of like headmasters, but they have an extra power, basically. So then we have the micromasters, which, holy shit, their lore is deep and wide. But suffice to say, the MicroMasters from the planet Micro are miniature, more fuel-efficient versions of Guzzlers, which is what they pejoratively call full-size Cybertronians. Oh, I wonder if this was... Cybertronian racism. uh, Was this a little dig at at American automobile manufacturing? I don't know. We were buying a lot of Japanese cars at the time. That's true. Oh, yeah. It's so true, actually. uh, To interject, I do think all the Brain Masters... It is sort of like headmasters, and I feel like there's transtector bodies, but they're little robots that go inside the bodies yeah. and wear these bigger bodies like protective armor. The way it works, I believe, it is it is kind of like a Gundam, but everybody's a machine. Right. And like they go into a cockpit, and then they mm-hmm. come into the head, right? essentially. And I think I do talk about that a little bit in the weirdo part of what... I know that I get to it. So, um, in the MicroMasters, they're a subgroup of elite troops in the Galactic Defense Force of Sector 1. Basically, they're backwards headmasters. Whereas with headmasters in the Japanese series, small Cybertronians bond with larger transsector robots. Brainmasters 
transfer their consciousness of a full Cybertronian into a Micromaster transector known as a brain okay. or brain robo. I get it now. Then they link to their bigger bodies through a check through a cockpit migrating up into the helmet. And I know what you're thinking. That seems unnecessary Why and they stupid. Do that? <laughs> it's like some kind of brain money laundering system. <laughs> but there is a benefit. Although, through this process, there's an unexpected side effect, which makes me wonder what the point was before they figured this out, where the Brain Master gets brain power to boost their courage, strength, intelligence, and skill. Sort of like equipping a plus weapon in D&D with a skill boost. Oh, exactly. I was going to say the same thing. Or Final Fantasy. Yeah. Dino Force. I know. I was sorry, too. I thought this would be the Dinobots, but no. Oh, really? They're completely different. These guys seem to make the Dinobots look capable and brilliant. Oh, wow. Dino Force is basically Deathsaurus's brute squad. They're pretenders, but in a weird way where their shells also have a separate personality. And the leader of the group, Goryu, doesn't even get inside his shell. He sits on it. It's a T-Rex, and he sits on its back. (laughs) Like Dino Riders. The six bots in this group can also combine to form Dino King. Okay. So many combinations. It gets fucking crazy. I guess if you're if you're throwing concepts out there, this is I guess they decided this is the venue for that because they got toys going with all this stuff. Some, not very many. Uh, They're spit. They're. they're I mean, they might be now at the time. Not very many came out, but they're like we got to. These look way not as cool as Dinobots. So here we go. I guess we can finally get to what I think is probably just an unfortunate translation sure. of breast force yeah, there he is, right don't get there. excited Caleb I know how much you like adult breastfeeding <gasps> porn but it's not that oh oh they're also known as chess masters oh. so why not just fucking call them that how about, how about why do they call them booby robots <laughs> what are these uh it, so anyway the Decepticon leader Deathsaurus is a member of this elite group uh, of troopers. They're made up of the worst of the worst, including murderers, psychopaths, and convicts. Mm. Basically, the Waffen SS of the Transformers series. Their suggestive name derives from the fact that they are partnered with breast animals who transform into their breastplate armor from animal gotcha. or gun mode. Gotcha. So, plot overview. Yes, Hellbat was a breastmaster. I was confused. Yeah, Hellbat. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about this series is that after the, well, what is for some people the complicated master force deep and complicated master force series victory was more of a back to basics kind of jam it kind of harkens back to usg1 where the core of the series is much more episodic as opposed to having through lines that affect the show overall uh we kind of return to a system of raiding power stations of the week and it's very focused on action the characters aren't very well defined either, especially coming after Master Force, which people seem to like the characters in that, at least on the Autobot side. Everyone but Star Saber is pretty weak on personality until we get a dedicated Victory Leo episode, but that's way near the end of the series. The animation is by Toei, and it's fucking beautiful. As to the plot of the series as a whole, it's the year 2025. Mm. The Decepticons were defeated in the Master Force War and have started attacking other planets in the universe. The Autobots decide to join with several different civilizations, including humans, so we're back on Earth again, (laughs) in the Galactic Peace Alliance to battle the Decepticon menace. The new Autobot Supreme Commander, Star Saber, is head of the Sector 1 Defense Force, along with the Brain Masters and Multiforce. God Ginra... How do we pronounce his name? 
Gen- Jinrai? Jinrai. Yeah. So. God Jinrai is in this series and leads Sector 2, but there's no human involved in him in- anymore. Okay. He's lost his human. We barely see him in this one because we have to sell toys and his toy was old. Uh, plus, his, his body is kind of just Optimus, like Power Master Prime, and it would have been confusing, they say, to have him in there. It's too much. So the toy, like I said, the toy is Power Master Prime with a bunch of more armor on it. It's quite... The God Bomber armor? Yeah, it's fucking insane. It shit. has like two trailers that become his legs and stuff. Star Saber's main antagonist is the Decepticon Emperor of Destruction, Death Saurus, or what, that's what he's called in English. I also fall, found him referred to as Death Zaurus, <laughs> so whatever, which I like better. Whatever his name, Death Saurus is raiding energy resources to free a huge and very cleverly named planet-destroying fortress trapped in the Dark Nebula years ago by Star Saber himself. I also read that at least one of his motivations is to free civilian Decepticons and their families, like some kind of weird MCU Thanos committing horrible atrocities for the greater good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And most of the series does take place on Earth, complete with a child sidekick named Jan Minakazi, adopted by Star Saber after the kid's whole fucking family was killed in a Decepticon attack when he was an infant. Aww. Uh, we then get kind of a series of escalating powers, as per usual with these series. More Decepticons, including the Breast Force Squad, led by Leo Zack, who is conniving to take over leadership from Death Zaurus, who is also a Breast Force member. Uh, we do the inner energy raid game thing. For and Leo Zack is part of the combiner team, right? Yeah. Part of the combiner team. Okay. Uh, but not the the dino the dino not guy. The dino no, they're also a combiner team. They can become Dino King. We do the energy raid game for a minute, and then Breast Force goes after the MicroMasters planet, again, cleverly named Micro, and free their Decepticon teammate, Guyhawk. Guess what he turns into? Uh, a rodent. Yep. The Breast Force can now combine into Leo Kaiser and defeat Star Saber. So that's their combiner team. The Autobots get back up from Six Changer Samurai Great Shot, but are still forced to ask for aid from God Jinrai, Jinrai of Sector 2. Great Shot is basically the character we know from as Six Shot. Right. He, I, I guess he's contemplated the I universe guess. and become sort of a good guy, but still a little roguish. Yeah, he's decided to be on this side of this fight for now. Uh, Jinrai is uh, fatally wounded by Deathsaurus, but it's cool because he's immediately resurrected as Victory Leo... By Wheeljack, which uh, to- Alpha Magnus has some things to say about that. Maybe I'll slide that in here. I don't care where you guys put it in here. The only thing that I really wanted to to add to um, the the victory thing is actually something we, we touched on earlier, is that Wheeljack shows up in an episode of Victory. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's real weird because he shows up and it's like a pivotal point. It's not just like, hey... Here's some guy named Wheeljack. He was here before. No, he literally is what creates, like, he takes uh, Jinrai, who is a previous... Um, Godmaster. He's a Power Master version of Optimus, who isn't Optimus. Right. right. He ends up taking dead Jinrai and turning him into Victory Leo. Oh, like, wow. without Wheeljack, that doesn't happen. So there's no oh, way yeah. you can just, like, oh, it doesn't happen here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Vic- Victory was the one that I actually really watched a lot, and I was like, what the fuck is wheeljack doing i have so a lot i have that point later because i'm the one who covers victory but um uh, the the theory is that the movie hadn't come out in japan yet 
that that's that's what happened. Like it just had. Well, then released. what's the retcon but to make that? My my fan theory is that uh, Exhaust painted himself like Wheeljack and was going to do some espionage stuff, and then uh, Megatron came in and just blew the hell out of everything. I like that because oh, he's like a, a merc. He's not a exhaust is is wheeljack, but that uh, different color or slicer or one of those other versions that is wheeljack recolored. But I like I like the idea that exhaust, uh, who is the Marlboro colored mm-hmm. uh, wheeljack, just like painted himself a little green, went in there to do some stuff, and then just was immediately murdered by Devastator. Uh, <laughs> so that's my that's my personal retcon because like he doesn't really exist, but that toy did exist. Oh, I see. That's what happened in the movie. Yeah. It's the, yeah, so I in see, the movie, not the victory in the movie, series, it's actually but... like the the mercenary version of Wheeljack okay. comes in there, sure. and he's like, "I'm gonna dress like Wheeljack, and I'm yeah. gonna get some stuff done," and then he's immediately killed. Ah. And then Wheeljack, Wheeljack's in like Aruba or something, making like an 18th Dinobot for no reason. That's gonna explode. Good, good for and him. And then he just shows up. He's like, "What's going on here, guys? This is weird." But he doesn't show up again for uh, I don't know a hundred yeah. years yeah. or whatever yeah. the time span is between nineteen twenty twenty five. I think is what yeah, uh, twenty twenty five twenty. Yeah, twenty. So in a couple of years, he shows up and he's like, "Hey, he's Jinrai. <laughs> he's got I'm gonna build you. I love it. Jinrai's dead, but I love bringing things back to life for yeah, no reason." <laughs> I like the idea that Wheeljack just had a beach shack bar. At- like a go. tiki bar on the beach. <laughs> Jack's the Shack. Caribbean. Jack Shack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. Like with those cheesy ass television, uh, television t-shirts, you know? The, yeah. 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 I got Jack. Like a, se- like, like a senior, uh, like a senior, <laughs> like a senior frog style. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. another idea for the booty box. I got jacked at the shack. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wasting away again in Margaritaville. There you go. Um, R.I.P. Sorry if I derailed that too much. No, I'll I'll put that in. In the meantime, Deathsaurus liberates his massive fortress from the Dark Nebula, planning to use it on Earth. But there's a new Autobot power-up. Star Saber and Victory Leo combine to form Victory Saber in an animated sequence that I bet is fucking awesome and takes like a full minute of screen time. But I did not look up for some reason. There's a lot going on here. Oh yeah, well not we really. Can't keep it all straight. It's not a lot going on. All right. <laughs> well, never mind. I mean, there's a lot to look up if we need to. Yeah, the story is pretty straightforward. Bad guy. It's basically. It's basically like Megatron. It's bad guy raiding energy resources to destroy things. Right. Um, this series does take the bold step. That's a. That's the plot summary. That's it. He defeats the source. Victory Saber. This series takes the bold step of having 32 regular episodes and a staggering six clip shows that have no through line are just random scenes put together. So that's 38 episodes. But then, after the series ended, another six fucking clip shows were put together by Matsumi Kaneda, available exclusively through home video, because Japanese TV almost never broadcasts them. I mean, who the fuck wants to buy a clip show comment collection of a series that presumably, if you like, you have the originals on home media anyway? It sounds like an excellent setup for clueless grandparents who get you a disappointing birthday gift. Mm. It's mm. like a, it's kind of a could be a greatest hits compilation. Holland Oates greatest hits. Except yeah, like, if their greatest hits were so basically parts, okay, so it would be that. Would, hold on, that would be like if you're listening to if you're getting a, a Holland Oates 
compilation of some of the best parts of certain songs. songs. Right, true. <laughs> Good point. Like doesn't quite work. Technically there are 44 episodes, but a third of them are recycled clip shows, which is egregious to call that 44 episodes. I can't go for that. It's just it's, no, I can't. She's a man eater. <laughs> Sarah smile. I don't know that one. You know, yeah. You so it's like it's almost as if he's like, "Hey, Canada, now that the series is over, what should we do?" Well, I don't know. How about like, how about like something I like to call like, like just a money grab? Uh, sure. You've done it again, Kay. Oh. <laughs> anyway, the charitable reason there were so many clip shows is that the rush pr- there was a rush production st- uh, style coupled with a stretch budget and the extremely high quality animation led to problems of delivery. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder mm-hmm. if they have a syndication system like we do, and they had to deliver so many episodes to hit yeah, the mark. Might, maybe, maybe. I mean, with, I didn't do that with Zone, but yeah, um, I couldn't find much about the specifics on this. But like, like we I, we talked about in just a little bit ago, uh, Wheeljack and Perceptor make appearances in Victory. Uh, Wheeljack, I believe, complains also about how there are too many classes of Transformers <laughs> to keep track of now, which is very funny. I like that. <laughs> Uh, the score for the show was written by Chume Watanabe, who also did the score for Zone, in addition to a ton of other credits stretching back to the 1950s that we just don't have time to go into here. We have the ubiquitous issue with scale in the Transformers universe here. Supposedly, the Micromasters were about human-sized, but that doesn't really hold up because they seem just a little shorter than standard-sized Autobots. And according to CF Wiki, basically the only reason they seem micro is because everyone else in Victory is fucking enormous. Right. In the, like, so in the original U.S. series, Optimus Prime is 6 meters or 20 feet tall. Star Saber is 22 meters or 72 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So Prime would come up to his knee. So the Brain Master is all basically a normal-sized Transformer. Well, Star Saber is a Brain Master. But I mean the Brain oh, Master Oh, the Brain Master component, yeah. You blew my mind earlier when you said that the Transtector is not the bigger robot, but rather the smaller robot that's inside them. Yeah, it's real strange. The bigger robot was at one point its a own guy. entity, and he said, how about I build this smaller guy, put my brain inside of it, and then he gets to go back inside of me. Yeah, and so... <laughs> but. <laughs> It had an unexpected side effect that was a benefit, but I'm like, what like was the point? That's what I'm saying. Like, what was? The, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. There probably is a reason, but since I haven't watched the show, I don't know what it, it is. Lost in translation and lack of research and experience. This is a fun thing, though. Hammerspace gets finally explained in this series, sort of. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Hammerspace is an invisible, magical storage area, particularly in animated fiction where you can pull, like a comically oversized hammer out to whack somebody over the head, like in Looney Tunes, like, or like a bag of holding in D&D. In Transformers, it's where weapons just appear or where Optimus's trailer goes and comes back from. Mm-hmm. In this series, it is explained that Cybertronians have an energy ability to bring weapons out of thin air, though they can't access those weapons if they run out of this nebulous energy. And if you want a particularly fun example outside of Transformers... It's like shard blades in Brandon Sanderson's excellent Stormlight series where it takes 10 heartbeats to summon your shard blade. That's for anybody who's read that. I know you guys haven't. Love Brandon Sanderson. Excellent author. Um, So, yeah, that's fucking victory. Excellent. A lot of new weird... I I think it sounds better than Master Force, honestly. (laughs) 
but I like how straightforward it seems. Yeah, that just seems real. Just that, like, like I said, back to basics. While I don't love the designs of the characters in Master Force, I was flipping through some of these victory characters. I love the designs of the victory characters. Don't you have they, Star Saber? I do have they're, a masterpiece. Star they're very Saber, dynamic. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I like they, them too. They really, like, very colorful, lots of parts on them. Yeah. Yeah, dynamic. Deathsaurus in particular is a really cool, cool-looking character. I also was looking up Great Shot. And apparently, I guess, the Victory cartoon never makes it explicit that he is six-shot in a new identity. But that oh. was retconned at some point at re relatively recently, but it is official. I mean, it is part of the canon, the G1 canon. It was retconned that way in a in the Legends comic book series, which what, is the manga that is ongoing to this day. When I see characters like this... Manga? Manga? I manga. probably... Manga. Sorry, everybody. I've heard it manga, manga. Cold. When, <laughs> a lot of characters I see like this where they're, it seems to me when they, it's almost like they design the robots first and then they're like, then we, then we try to, then we try to fit it into something. I think it's always been that way. I mean, that was the original, that was the, basically all toys and cartoons from the eighties. I mean, do you think they designed like Soundwave and Optimus Prime? Like, and then well, try they, to figure out how to fit a, a perf like a a truck to it there just seems to be more liberty with these later characters where like it just it's a robot and i don't need to see elements of what its alt mode is going to be it doesn't matter as much oh oh i don't i see what you mean so like though. a car first rather like, than i don't need this this weird futuristic spaceship oh, yeah. i see what yeah, you're it's saying just like, you're saying they want the the basically the bipedal version or whatever the robot version yeah. is and then they back engineer it into a vehicle yeah that would be really hard well yeah, okay but with some of these vehicles like all of six shot or great shots forms they can get away with like more they don't really look like anything yeah, yeah. and a like lot whatever. of these characters turn into ships so that's you can get away with a lot, especially yes. spaceships. So there's more there's more liberty to make the characters look more dynamic, yeah. more 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 samurai, samurai, more warrior looking. You know, because their alt modes are also more fantastic, yeah, and they're not more, based in a reality. They're, yeah, their alt modes exactly. are more fantastical. It's like it can become this this me mechanism they're no yeah, longer be, robots in disguise doesn't, be like yeah. a starship doesn't look You're like right. that <laughs> they don't they don't have to be in disguise anymore it doesn't matter and when you look in their cybertronian i mean arguably disguise wouldn't have been the thing when they're on cybertron anyway that they're no that just, was more about power. Just utility right, right. Um, holy shit the phone's ringing <laughs> <laughs> it is i again Coming with more Optimus cheer. Um, so I read the back of the VHS, and uh, and and I realized that that was not the movie I thought I sent you. That was okay. a reenactment of the White Christmas movie. And this is the next part is where oh, they get together. Oh, this is all White together. Christmas. I get it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Man. And they, uh, <laughs> I don't believe the translators were working that day. And they might have put QAnon on there, but it's fine. <laughs> um, they, they, uh, this is the scene where they gather together to save a boat or a lodge of some sort. I can't, I can't really understand it. I, I don't know what either of those things are. I am uh, told I am now an upside down boat, but um, 
it, it's all good. I'm so I'm trying to understand here. So the Autobots are reenacting White Christmas for the purposes of their entertainment, or it could be that we're just seeing stuff that has been shoehorned into a a method of kind of doing the plot of White Christmas. Maybe they were trying for an avant-garde sort (laughs) of uh, art project. It's a real two hundred motels kind of thing. It is. I actually, actually, guys, I believe this was a Galvatron plan. Was to to use them as puppets, and uh, and for some reason he just decided to make them do this instead. <laughs> it's a very weird man. I don't a, understand him. It, some would say it's this whole thing is a very weird bit that might not work <laughs> completely. But I guess we'll see this new video. Yeah, it's I mean yeah, it's it's kind of on them, the producers of the video. Yeah, to prove that certainly uh, not us. No, uh, I guess okay. Transmit video, please. It is the year two thousand six. Optimus Prime is back from the dead. Again? He'll be back some more. Don't worry. And he, they, we have just, you know, you just see the, the return? This is after part three. I'm out of a job, I guess, because the series ended, so I don't give a fuck about this. And, uh, I guess uh, Prime's inspecting the troops, sir. What? I went a little, sometimes New Jersey creeps in there. I don't know why. So, here you go. Now you have 2006. Well, Autobots, we won, so that's cool. I'm really happy you all came together to help me out and support me, even though I was complaining that something terrible was going to happen at some time, and then it did, and it somehow... No, we don't talk... We don't... I don't think you were in this episode. You're welcome, Prime. Who are you? One of the people you're talking to. One of the Autobots. Great. Th- you thanks. Wanted, yeah, you're Prime. Wel- you're it wel- was great serving you're wel- you. You're welcome. Okay. Now, I'm going to say, you troops, you're unruly, you're sloppy, you're the sorriest army I've ever had, and I've never seen anything so wonderful in my life. Now, I've had a lot of different lives. Aw, uh, thanks. Yep. <laughs> You're welcome, guy. Thanks. Who all? I know so you. Swell. Wow. <laughs> well, Gee. Hey, guys. It's me. It's not Jazz. I'm actually the ghost of Scatman Crothers. I'm back, too. Holy shit. Woo! Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Speaking of people who are back, hey, Prime, it's Ironhide. I, I know you thought I was dead, but I got better. I got something I want to say to you. We, us troops, we want to. We want to join in a little sing-along to show how much we like you. We'll follow the old man wherever he wants, wants to go, go long as he wants to go, to go to opposite the foe. Opposite to the foe is what I said. We'll stay with the old man wherever he wants to stay, long as he stays away from the battle fray. Because we love him, we love him, especially when he keeps us on the ball. On the ball. And we'll tell the kiddies we answer duty's call with the grandest son of a soldier of them all. Yay. And so on and so forth. Hong Kong Fu-Wee, number one super guy. That's a song I know. I don't know nothing about nothing else. Unless you need to be saved from your psychic uh, dad killing you in a in a hotel. Just watching this video from the outside, Scatman Carruthers really kind of tried to steal Prime's moment. <laughs> he, he did. He did come. Well, he is back from the dead too, so he's I, like he I, wants. 
He has important. I guess he probably has low social awareness. He really didn't seem to have anything to impart from beyond the veil. But I'm glad he was. He showed up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate the guy or anything. No, no. <laughs> we. Love hey guys, it's Jazz. I'm here with the Scatman Crothers. Isn't that weird? <laughs> It's very meta. <laughs> Hit stop on this for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, that was uh, okay. We love you, Prime. Oh, wait. Bit, it's okay. play on the, the video. The bit's oh. over. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so it was White Christmas the whole time. But, yes. Yeah, oh. Yeah. Huh. Remember when we like did Shakatomi Plaza? <laughs> we did a... We went. We actually went out last Friday and did a whole planning meeting around around this. That's incredible. <laughs> it's the first time we've ever actually planned ahead for something like this. So zone transformer zone uh, was all, is it a new term I learned in researching this, which I probably should have known way earlier. OVA, which is original video animation, mm -hmm. basically an episode or episodes that were not released on TV like the rest of the series and only available on home media. This seems to happen a lot with anime. Transformers Zone was released on VHS in Japan July 21st, 1990. And basically the waning popularity of the Transformers by this time led Zone, which was originally going to be a whole series, trunk it was they truncated it into a single direct-to-video episode in mid-production. We watched it on uh Karyudo fan subs on YouTube. I think we also used him for Scramble City. And I think the only English subtitles for Zone are fan subs. As that channel's Maybe. name implies. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, the only ad I have for that is that um, the storyline for Zone is much broader than what we see in this single episode. Because on in TV Magazine, it does have an overall ming manga and story pages associated with it. And so yeah. the whole storyline really runs from... For about a year, uh, like all of these, really, between late 89 and early 91. Yeah, the Zone Fiction, it tells the story of the Micromasters' various teams. You've got the Race Car Patrol, Off-Road Patrol, Battle Patrol, Rescue Patrol, Jet Patrol, and Supercar Patrol. The gist of it is there's this planet called Micro, and it is then somehow, through the storytelling, been upgraded by the Autobots to a new planet called Zone. Mm -hmm. And it's part of, I guess, a zone of defense that they're trying to establish against the Decepticons. And Decepticons are jealous of that shit, so they want to create their own Decepticon version of the Zone. And speaking of Decepticons, they have a new leader. Emperor Violin Gigua. Is that the dude with the three heads? That. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see that word. <laughs> I love the animation, but they, they really, they don't waste any time getting to the, getting to some uh, crazy shit going on at the beginning of this. <laughs> and the music is awesome. It's like okay. that quintessential yeah, anime music. Yeah. I wanted to get his credit in there. Violin Jiger. Violin Jiger, yeah. VJ mm. is a kind of spectral force that was created from the souls uh, and this is not explained on screen i'm just giving you a little back okay. history here he it's created by from the souls of many decepticon warriors he has three faces because five would be excessive mm. the fifth face <laughs> <laughs> 
it also has kind of three insectoid transformation modes. It's a it's a weird weird character. I don't think we see him transform in this. No, you, you we, really we just don't see him in like him. shadow form in the space. Yep. The animation is is good though. I love the animation, especially the transformation sequences of like the the battle city on Zone. Um, and the illustrations of the hands are really good. Here's his three faces. Here's his almost like a Quintesson insectoid modes. It looks more Again. like um, in humanoids. It really does. It does for sure. It, it, its goal is total universal domination, mm-hmm. and to do that. He needs Energon Z, which is a special kind of super fuel developed by the Autobots on the planet Micro. But he also needs Zodiac Energy, which is, depending on your continuity, it's an energy source made from all the combined life energy of a previous reality that Jesus. ultimately sparked the Big Bang, right. creating Holy the universe shit. as we know it. Yeah, and it's on Earth. And it's on Earth. <laughs> So the the episode that we see, which I think is its has its own manga dedicated to the, this episode, so it's not like this exists and the manga sample, supplements it. I think it also exists in the manga, and then they translated it to this episode. Yeah, I have some stuff about the manga in general. Um, and I think there are some discrepancies between what we've seen on screen and the storyline of the manga as well, but we... we we start things off at the planet Fermia, or Fem- I'm sorry, I keep Femenia. wanting to say it that way. Feminia. Feminia. Yes. It's this beautiful bi-ringed planet similar to Earth in many ways with its water trees, human-like <laughs> characters, and intelligent pink flying rabbits. And Emusa. Uh, Jagger recruits nine Decepticon demon generals who we know as Bruticus, Predaking, Abominus, Minasaur, Devastator, Trypticon, Overlord, Black Zarek and King Poseidon, a.k.a. Piranacon. So many capes. <laughs> Lots of capes. Before this series, they were sent off to go to different worlds and steal their energy. But for this episode, you've got Overlord, Abominus, and Minasaur, and they go to Feminia and just fuck it up. Yep. Nuclear explosions, carpet bombing, all kinds of spear-throwing madness, victory saber, and his Autobots show up just in time to save some civilians, including a blue-haired punk named Kane. But the planet itself is utterly destroyed, along with Victory Saber. Yeah, it opens up hot with the destruction of an entire planet of people. Yeah. And maybe Victory Saber. Oh, yeah. Well, plant that seed, why don't you? Mm, is he really dead? The Transformers are crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I fucking love the opening theme song. For oh, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. It's so fucking good. The music's good. great. I listened to it like five times. It's so good. Just the synths. Awesome. Yeah. I also like the lyrics. It's so poppy and synthy. It's like an 80s comedy montage is starting. It's a lot going on. It's big. Yeah, I will also say that... Uh, this mo- this episode, as with this theme, has like emotional whiplash because it goes from like something real super sad to like joy. Yes, very interesting observation. Um, I may speak to that a little bit when I talk about anime music. Oh, wait! I'm glad for you're it, picking audience. up on that. God, they for a a show that had one episode. They blew a big part of the budget on this opening sequence. Well, presumably when they started, because this is supposed to be the pilot episode. 
So they, pro like, I'm sure that they were like, shut it down after this was already done. Heavily featuring the goofball rabbit creatures. Isuna? No, Inusa is its name. Their name. Hey! Director Clacker. What is this, like uh, Animaniacs? <laughs> 76 days go by for yeah. some reason. Specifically, the, yeah, very specific. There is a brief interjection where you have uh, VJ, and he's happy about the fact that this planet's destroyed, and he's ready to break ground on his own mm -hmm. Decepticon Zone project. Time to get some super energy. So we go 76 days later. And the microbots and the feminians are kicking it on the Autobot Zone Planet defense base with the sassy-ass rabbits and shit, listening to some sweet sax music and bragging about having all this super Energon Z when the Decepticon Generals, Bruticus, Abominus, Overlord, and Minasaur show up and start blowing everything up. Unfortunately, the Powered Masters, not to be confused with the Power Masters, are off base still looking for the ashy corpse of Star Saber. That zone base where they transform is just, like, aching to be a playset. And it was. Uh, there are quite a few toys released from zone, but almost all were Autobots, hmm. except for the four Racetrack Patrol team and Metro Titan, which is a redeco of Metroplex. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've heard that of that character. Um, this also, not to be all music guy... But this scene, the music where we cut to zone, sounds like we should be watching a woman in a wrap walking down the beach and then cut to a fancy restaurant. It's very careless whisper. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we just play a little of that. Oh, yeah. This is like a, a Newport ad. <laughs> I'm getting moonlighting vibes. That's great stuff. Just to explain the Powered Masters a little bit, they are some mega-sized, super-buff, essentially officers in the Autobot ranks comprised of Diatlas, Sonic Bomber, and Roadfire. They each are formidable in their own right, but the three com combine to form Big Powered. Yeah. Is, Ro is Roadfire in this? Isn't it just Sonic Bomber and... and... I, it might just be the two that we see, but yeah. there are three of okay. them. Like, any two of them can also have their own combinations because you have sky powered and land powered. So I won't I won't be going into the names of all the micromasters because yeah. why do that? So our demon generals show up, they tear up the base, they steal the fucking Energon Z, which is a big kind of like I don't know, it's not a globe, it's more of a it looks more like it a transformation like, cog. It looks like the energy source in that episode that I can't remember the name of, but we're Optimus and um I think it's a Dr. Archiville episode where Optimus and Megatron team up. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Out of, the, out of Megatron. Yeah, it does look That's like exactly that. what it looks like. Or the eyeball. Uh, wasn't there an episode where you had Metroplex's, oh, uh, Metroplex's eye. eyes? <laughs> that yeah. was horrifying. The generals, they tear up the base. They steal the Energon Z. Some teams chase after the generals in a very lukewarm pursuit. <laughs> they were ultimately intercepted by Demon General Black Zarak, who fries their ships yep. and... And, and uh, then just leaves. Well, I don't know why he didn't just kill them. I don't know. But he, they he can't didn't. commit. Yeah. yeah Reinforcements like... arrive of the uh, other Micromasters. They repair the ship. They trace the Energon Z's path to Earth. Oh, shit. It all, <laughs> all ends up back on Earth, baby. 
we go back to zone and who shows up the powered masters and they've got the not quite dead yet victory saber with them mm -hmm. he's going to need some bed rest but in the meantime the powered masters are going to have to get to earth because they know if energon z is mixed with earth's hidden zodiac energy fuck game over I guess they say it's the power that creates universes, but then they say it's the power of a star. And I'm like, those are very different power <laughs> levels. I think so. We go to earth where shit is fucking nuts. <laughs> the demon generals are, are fucking up earth. You got Trypticon, King Poseidon, Devastator, and you've got some micromasters who are already there. They're trying to hold everybody back or, or hold back the generals, but they're about to get it. Uh, and Kane is there with them as well, by the way. Our friend Kane from the planet Thermomeria. Thermomeria. Kane also creates a relationship with a local human. Akira. Die Atlas and Sonic Bomber show up in time to save the Micromasters from Predaking and Trypticon. There's some pretty cool fight scenes. Why yeah. is Predaking's face so weird? All their faces. I think they're all wearing helmets of some sort. Predaking's face looks like a Tinker Toy like robot yeah. it's very strange it's one of the more striking differences but if you look at them all they all seem to be wearing some kind of helmet okay this or it or it's a replacement head i don't know this will only this is only for me but it'll like whenever we were on zone the emusa is that her name it's their name emusa the rabbit flying rabbit thing complains that there are no flowers or plants um that will be right. that'll be now so they love it on later. Earth. Yeah, she's. They're very into Earth. Yeah. Did you not notice all of them have weird heads? Like, look at Trypticon and his crazy maw with the like the horns coming around the side. Yeah. It's like they have some sort of add-on attachment upgrades. But, but Predakings looks weird. It does because it, it looks, looks like a face. It does with like an angry cartoon face. Yeah. It's just basically, it's like. Like long eyes and a, a unibrow, kind of, and it just looks very, it's funny to me. It is, it is pretty goofy. The action is a little hard to follow, but the powered masters hold off the generals, including Devastator, who comes from underneath the earth before turning around and going back in. The powered masters pursue Devastator in a drill mode of their own. And they all simultaneously find the legendary Zodiac, mm -hmm. which Devastator finds first, grabs, and makes off with it. Diatlas pursues, and then King Poseidon ropes Diatlas. Devastator returns, hands off the Zodiac to Poseidon, and prepares to drill through Diatlas' skull. <sighs> Diatlas transforms, drills into a lava well, washing Devastator away in a molten yeah. rock tsunami. So he's dead, presumably. He's well, out of, we'll, we'll out of the know. picture. He's out of the fight, anyway. Sonic Bomber, still fighting Trypticon and Predaking, pursues Poseidon, who makes a poorly timed forward pass to Predaking Trypticon, so, intercepted by Diatlas. Here, that port. So when we see Zone, there's the Zodiac initially underground. It looks like a crystalline spider web. And then whenever Poseidon passes it off like a football, it looks like a human heart. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, I think it's just... They're just they're they're trying to figure this out as they go too. <laughs> and then I mean look, maybe inside the center of the I, I'm gonna say I it was in, yeah. in devastating he's holding it. and it looked like a heart. Let's just, maybe I, it's a heart inside of yeah, the crystal. That's what I'm gonna go with. Shards. That's what I'm gonna go with. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. It is. It's, <laughs> it's it, not the last it's gross weird. thing we'll see here. No. This, uh... It's an odd choice in my It yeah. certainly is. I wonder if it's a well. I don't know. Whatever. It just made, it really shocked me. <laughs> like the heart of the universe. 
Well, yeah, then we'll see in a minute. Never mind. Go ahead. Trypticon opens his Dino Maw. He's got that Energon Z in his mouth, and he's going to unleash that shit. Diatlas takes a shot in the titties as Trypticon prepares to unleash another Energon Z blast. Diatlas sort of prays to the Zodiac to protect them with the power that created the universe. And the Energon Z is emitted, and the external crust to the Zodiac is polished off. It flashes a bright light, and it's Diatlas and Sonic Bomber then combine into a fucking base mode, zone mode, baby. Mm -hmm. This is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, now we've got, it's now in the form of a, a of an orb with a galaxy in it. It's his third form. <laughs> right. The four demon generals attack, but as the Transformers Zone theme song plays, the general's invincible armor has been incapacitated, so everybody but Predaking is now out of the mix. Damn. Uh, I think they say damn it. <laughs> they do. The generals try to escape, but Diatlas and Sonic Bomber pursue Predaking, and they use their zone power to bisect Predaking, mm -hmm. killing his ass. And we see that he appears to have an organic brain. That was real weird. Yeah. I, I probably would have noticed it if you hadn't pointed it out beforehand, but yeah, I was waiting for it. It's weird. It's real weird. Yeah, he has a brain in his head. <laughs> also, that cutter turns into a Z, which I thought was fun. Like, nice like the show, back. like the beginning of the show. So at this point, there's uh, some dragging closing commentary about how the Earthlings <laughs> want to learn about Transformers and the Transformers want to learn about Earth and they all want to learn about Planet Micro. Which is presumably where the series learn, would go. They, but they only are going to teach the other about the other if the other teaches about the other. It's some weird circular yeah. dialogue that goes on a really long time. Quid pro quo. We return to planet zone where victory saber has recovered new friends kane and musa the rabbit and akira the human are there in a uh, killer opulent shindig victory saber coronates diatlas as the new autobot supreme commander and the crowd chants his name in celebration and support yeah and the, the and musa quite literally gets her flowers <laughs> she has a big bag of flowers yeah or whatever amusa's gender is they're, yeah, they're happy they're happy about the, the the flowers and the nature i had a lot of fun watching this one yeah that's zone as we referred to it's only part of the continuity check out the story pages and manga if you um speaking to. of which here's a little bit i found this on tf wiki about the japanese generation one cartoon continuity uh, the precedent of the latter installments of the Japanese Generation 1 franchise, that entire waves of product could be supported via the continuation of the cartoon storyline through a comic or a couple story pages, had a peculiar effect on Japanese Transformers media going forward. The story pages of Japanese Generation 2 franchise picked up right where Operation Combination left off in 1995, which was after this. Um, and the storyline of the Japanese Generation 1 cartoon never really stopped from there. The resulting sprawling, exquisite corpse attached to Takara Tomy's Generation 1 and Beast Wars flavored products continues to this very day, and it has become the largest continuous setting in the entire Transformers brand. Huh. Fascinating. I love the term exquisite corpse. <laughs> I don't think I knew that before, It's but it is like we used to do them. Yeah, the game Exquisite Corpse. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's where for it's basically where we except we well we called them jams, but then it was one or one of us would draw part of something, passes the next person to continue the drawing. Although technically, I think in 
traditional exquisite corpses, you're supposed to fold the page you, so you, the next artist can only see the portion right. they're you, meant to add. To. Yeah, you fold it in the thirds, and it one does the head, one yeah. does the torso, one does the legs, or whatever that part. That we just used to do add-ons. <laughs> yeah, we just did right. add-ons. Our jams. Maybe the two-man war <laughs> comic is a sort of exquisite corpse. Sort of. The, yeah, the uh, the jams always devolve pretty quickly to just, like, dicks. Sure. <laughs> we, were, being we were drawn. We were boys. I feel like if we drew a jam today, it's what would happen. It would do the same. <laughs> There's Oh, I do have a little something, and then I'd love to hear more about music. There's no way that we would want to do a full voice actor segment, having covered so much material, but thought it would be appropriate to shout out Tesho Genda, who voiced Convoy through the entire Japanese G1 series, uh, in addition to Orion Pax and Omega Supreme. But all seasons, the movie and numerous other Transformers media since, he's basically been their Peter Cullen for yeah. that role. In Japanese media, he seems to be about as prolific as Peter Cullen, having voiced for many anime, including City Hunter, Angel Hunter, Street Fighter, Pokemon, Bago, and various Marvel anime. He's also a dubber with roles including Tigger, Batman of the DC Animated Universe, and Mace Windu in Star Wars. Tesho Genda is the official, I don't know how you get this title, but the official Japanese dub artist for Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Steven Seagal, and Dan Aykroyd. All right. I feel like I've read about this guy before. Yeah. I guess Dan Aykroyd is, maybe he likes his characterizations to be super masculine in Japan. I don't know. So, yeah. What do you got? What do you, talk about music. Um, so, being that I liked this, uh, the music in here and comparing it to some of the music that comes across in the United States cartoons, even though some of the elements of the G1 music that we've had come through, parts of it we really like, like sure. the da-da-da. Da, 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 da. You know that that thing. Yeah, that thing. Serious. You know what I'm talking about. Are you talking about the, the da, Autobop? Da, da, yeah, Autobop. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like all of it. Honestly, yeah. listen to the set. There's lots of soundtrack compilations. Da, on da, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all great. So, uh, what Japanese culture, and at least in their pop music, they have a whole like like anime. They call it um, anason or anime songu. It's a genre of music that is it's its own thing in in Japanese pop music. And it's been around for a long time and it's it's kind of recognized as its own separate industry and actually uh style and and, and they were to the point where they they release like it's not uncommon in Japanese culture to hear songs from anime just out of context and just played out just in the world. Yeah. Right. And um I, a lot of that, though, has now been tied in with video games as well. You got a lot of you know Japanese you know just video games, and there's just there's a whole market and culture, and a type of style. And for the most part, like when I hear a, an anime or a video game song, I'm like, it, it sounds really familiar, but really different at the same time. Just in the way it, it's the pop element in it is it, it's it's elevated in a certain way. Um, that's particular, I think, to how Japanese culture, uh, at least the music industry. Uh, musicians have received taken music from jazz and a lot of different elements of western music and they take it and because of their the theory is it's because of their language how their, lang their language is very uh you know consonant vowel consonant vowel and it's very st like staccato in its delivery compared to certain like western with, with the exception like spanish but like for the most part like 
English uh, will promote a different style, melody flow than, say, something that is uh, more like uh, Japanese or staccato-based language. And so that's a lot of the melody lines in a lot of anime stuff is a little bit more, it's kind of like ramped up a notch, a little bit more staccato. But also Japanese, uh, the, the melodic choices, the, the tonal and the mode quality uh, choices that they make, they can make a, um, a very happy melody also seem sad or also like a very uh, sad bluesy thing, kind of blues arrangement have an, an odd optimistic spin to it so when you listen to a lot of anime music like a very happy melody in the song but because of the choices they're making in it, it it's like it's somehow sad at the same time or our western bias for hearing a certain kind of music leads us to just, believe just, it's sad when uh, really uh very optimistic i don't know how knowing think feeling sad is an incorrect interpretation of something that's supposed to be happy though that doesn't Right, but I'm saying culturally, maybe we we perceive the sound of the music to make us feel one way, but we don't understand the lyrics or the context of the Japanese interpretation. And so it sounds sad to us, but maybe it's not, or vice versa. I would say no. No, I would. I understand what you're saying, but I think that, you know, I think a really good quality of music is to give you both somehow. And I, so I don't think we're, it's being misinterpreted because we're not in that culture, but I think we're just not in, like when you hear something kind of different about it, it's like, what, if, what is this different thing about it? They're, they're adding a certain, or they're really honing in on the element of like a, a happy song that they, they are kind of adding some qualities to it that are also kind of like a sad melody okay. Okay. or vice versa. It's not like, it's not like that we're, we're not understanding we're not it's like that's actually a, a happy song but you're understanding it is sad because you're you don't understand japanese culture i don't think that's 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 accurate uh, i think it's just that they're more that their sophistication with what they're doing with the, that particular genre of music is really good at at uh giving you something upbeat that might be kind of sad or melancholy there's nuance and yeah there's something in it so just like the next time you listen to certain anime songs um, or in video game songs, just be really aware that there's this interesting tension there of something that you would think, well, this is sad, but it's kind of happy and quirky, or this is a really happy song with just like this sad or morose element to it. I can't put my finger on, and it's because of the modal choices that they're making with with their with uh, the arrangement when they're doing melodies and certain things like that. I will take your word for it. There's a really good um, link that I can give to you, Ryan, that you can add to our conversation that basically talks about J-pop music theory and and its it's the influence observations. And it really does a lot better at explaining this than I did, which is basically J-pop can make major, major sound sad and minor sound happy. There was a song we listened to, Reese, or we, because Wes and I like to do where they, we watch those videos where they swap the major and minor. And there was a song that I find sad that is in major, but it's an American pop song, but I can't think of what it is. I mean, and it, this happens in, in all music, but just the Japanese t- in this particular genre, it tends to be a, a, a particular, like, major element of it. Nice. Nice. Well, I guess that wraps it up. You didn't want to do the real world? We've Oh, that's sh- there's other segments to this show. Yeah. That's it. That's the only other segment. In the real world. 
Well, we don't have an actual episode for this one, so I decided to pick and choose from over the four years that these Japanese series stretch, 1987 to 1990. In the American Top 40, number one on the Billboard Hot 100 year-end chart from 1988, we have the song Faith by George Michael, who also wrote and produced the song. It was the second single from his debut solo album of the same name. Uh, Supposedly, the idea came from a UK music exec and publisher, Dick Leahy, and... uh, they, he basically said to Michael, you should write a rock and roll pastiche. Originally, the song was only two minutes long, and no guitar solo or much guitar in it at all, and Michael never intended for it to be a single, but everyone kept telling me how much they loved it, so he went back and punched it up and extended it, and the song has a famous Bo Diddley classic rock and roll beat and begins with an organ playing Wham's uh, song, Freedom. Mm-hmm. Music video is pretty famous, mostly George Michael, sexy stubble, black leather jacket, jeans, aviator sunglasses. He's playing guitar and gyrating near a Wurlitzer jukebox. The theme is essentially masculine eye candy sex object. And I did not know this, but American new metal band Limp Biscuit regularly oh, yeah. covered Faith in their live performances as they were coming up. I think that was their first single. Yeah, I remember it being that's on what, the radio. That's what got their attention. I don't that's think what... it was their first single. But it was because, like, there was a lot of pushback from their producers not to even cover it on their album at all. But it was on there. But, yeah, maybe it was the first single. I don't know. I just know that. Maybe it wasn't their first single, but it was controversial. What brought them to the mainstream? Yeah, Yeah, like, um, well, their energetic, weird performance by guitarist Wes Borland in strange costumes gained the band quite a following through word of mouth. So, fucking thanks a lot for Limp Biscuit, George. I'm sure we'll cover them more in the Beast Wars days. Not if I have anything they, to say about it. They had some hits. <laughs> they had some. They had some. Well, there's a, there's a whole segment that I tried to introduce this day in new metal, but I I can't. <laughs> when you give me a date, I can't. I've been trying to like what happened in new metal, and I can't find a good place where it can tell you. So it's kind of falling flat. But Faith we'll held the number one. Yeah. Is that true? Or are you making a joke? No, no I did. No, I that. think it was on our text. Thread. It was on our text threads. Like since we're going to be dealing with the '90s. It's just that's, it was it was one of those things where metal. I was like. Coming up with that, no one answers those kind of things when I put them out there. It's okay. I feel like I did. You did. You gave me a date. You were like, all right, a date. And then I did it, and it was like, oh, that didn't work out very well. You guys are right. That doesn't work. That is DOA. Faith held the number one spot for four weeks in the U.S. in 1988 and was the best-selling single of that year. It did very well in the U.K., but was kept off the number one spot by Bee Gees, You Win Again. I guess they did. I don't even know what that's... I did not look it up, but I can't place that song. I can't think of it off the top of my head, and I like the Bee Gees, but... It's a follow-up to their hit single, You Win. <laughs> it was a little lazy, I felt. Number one at the box office, uh, there were a slew of great number one films in the year 1989. Rain Man, Pet Cemetery, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Uncle Buck, Harlem Nights, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Back to the Future 2, and of course, Batman... But we're not going to talk about any of those. Nope. Today we're going to cover the film that was number one for two weeks in February of 1989, the Tom Hanks comedy, The Burbs. I love that movie. I do as well. The Dante-verse. The Burbs was directed by Joe Dante of Gremlins fame and stars Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, Rick Ducommon. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. R.I.P. Corey Feldman and Wendy Shaw. Hanks is a suburban homeowner, Ray Peterson, and the film takes place over a week-long vacation from work where he plans to just sit around the house and do nothing. A new family, the Klopeks, move into a dilapidated, terrifying-looking house on the street, 
and Ray notices strange noises and lights coming from the basement of the house one night. Ray and his neighbors Art and an intense Vietnam vet Mark start spying on the Klopex, believing them to be murderers, especially after they see the youngest one drive to the end of the driveway at night, stuff an oversized garbage bag into their trash can, and beat the ever-loving fuck out of it to shove it down into the bin. And that was one of my favorite lines in the movie where um, Tom Hanks' Ray says, I, I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody drive their garbage down to the street and bang the hell out of it with a stick. I, I've never seen that. <laughs> so this I like... Caleb, have you seen this movie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. It's been a long time. I love this movie. Uh, not everyone agrees with me. It has pretty mixed reviews, but it's fun. I won't spoil the ending. Um, since it's Joe Dante, of course, Dick Miller has a cameo. And also Robert Picardo, who was uh, the doctor on Voyager, if you oh, don't that, know. He's the older guy. Wait, I'm confused. It's Is a, he in Gremlins as well? He's in Gremlins too. Okay. He's not Are you the talking older about Dick Miller guy. or Robert Picardo? I don't know. Who's the old man that's like the... He's in Gremlins and Gremlins too. He's like the neighbor guy. Dick Miller. He, okay. Yeah. Long guy. Uh, the movie slowly builds on Main Street, small town paranoia and boredom in a super fun way and heads to a literal blowout climax. The entire film takes place on a cul-de-sac, which captures the insular weird nature of a middle-class neighborhood very well. And it could almost be a play. Mm-hmm. It's I love this movie. It's one of those background movies where I can just put it on any time mm-hmm. of the day. And it did quite well, earning $49 million on an $18 million budget. Fantastic. It's almost impossible to imagine a dark comedy being number one at all nowadays, let alone back, two weeks back to back. And I know I say it all the time, but I just would wish we could bring back the mid-budget yeah. anything. Yeah. I think it's pretty good to swing, swing back the other way. I hope. We'll see. little fun fact. Walter's toy poodle Queenie in the movie is played by the same dog that played Precious in Silence of the Lambs. Interesting. That dog's making bank. It's bona fide. <laughs> yeah. Bona fide. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write that down. That's right. just off the cuff. Genius. <laughs> Fun facts from this week in history. Uh, finally, let's see what was happening in the world in 1990. February 11th, Nelson Mandela was released after 27 years in prison in South Africa. April 8th, David Lynch's Twin Peaks premieres on ABC. April 25th, the Hubble telescope was put into orbit by the Space Shuttle Orbiter Discovery. August 7th, the United Nations deploys troops to Saudi Arabia to begin Operation Desert Shield. And August 25th, the UN Security Council authorizes military action against Iraq. For anyone who doesn't know, Iraq, led by Saddam Hussein, invaded Kuwait, and it was a problem for countries like us who love oil. September 20th, East and West Germany ratify unification. November 12th, the World Wide Web, as we know it, is, pro- is proposed by CERN computer scientist Tim Berners-Lee and Robert Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> December 1st, British and French workers meet in the middle of the Channel Tunnel, linking uh. the two countries beneath the English Channel. And December 22nd, Lech-Walesa. Leszwalesa is sworn in as Poland's first popularly elected president. Mm-hmm. So there is a tunnel underneath the English Channel. Have you never ever channel? heard of the oh. channel? No, I haven't. No, that's awesome. Can can anybody just drive through it, or is it? It's just a train. For commercial purposes, okay. It's a train. I, I think maybe you can. Is show there a passenger? I think is there, there is. a passenger train, or is oh it yes, just, is it all like for hauling? No, it's yeah. a passenger train. It's right. a big yeah. deal. <laughs> 
1990. Uh, I've been to the English Channel, but I've not seen that. The Channel, baby. The Channel. Thanks for teaching me something new today. Here's some birthdays. And then making me feel dumb about it. Yeah. Fucking idiot. (laughs) There's an... Hmm, there's a new Mexico. (laughs) Do you have anything other than Mexican food? (laughs) Birthdays in 1990. Kristen Stewart, Emma Watson, Margot Robbie, Jennifer Lawrence, The Weeknd, Soja Boy, SZA, and JoJo. Good year for for sexy ladies being born. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the real world. Cool. Choke on it, you fucking swine. There you go. If anyone's still listening to this episode, that'll almost certainly be two parts. Yes, I'm thinking. Uh, well, I don't know what we've learned about uh, these Christmas videos that we've been sent. But speaking of video, bring, we're going to get another call. Bring, bring. <laughs> I'm not even weirded out about it this time. No. Here, yes, okay. it is I again. I, uh, I, I believe that concludes the that VHS cassette. We have many more VHS to go through. <laughs> we are going to watch everything that Cybertron has recorded in the last fifty billion years. Oh um, <laughs> that's one by watch one. It for what going purposes? Going through this. The next up is is a bunch of the Japanese ones that I thought I had given you a video cassette uh-huh. of before, and then we will do the uh, War of Beasts, which is my favorite <laughs> pornographic. Uh, <laughs> reenactment of of many dinosaurs that turn into to fleshy robots it's very strange <laughs> yep. we got real we got real kinky in the early arts um but i'm gonna mom, chuck mommy just uh, made me up some some nuggies to oh, leave for yes. optimus oh. uh and some nuggies and dew to leave on the the hearth some the dew. fireplace yes. uh we don't have fire here because it is space but we we try what we can with LEDs. Um, but anyway, we do this to to sate the beast that is Optimus um, in oh, his yes. red, white, and green outfit, so that he does not take my face in in the eve. So it's more uh, like a. I bid you all a yes. shockwave a merry Optimus to you. Me- merry Optimus to you yes. as well. I hope he is gray and not in the colors of Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow! I'm surprised you know about that. And to you as well. All right, bloop. I think a Transformers nativity scene would be pretty awesome. You know, it's surprising <laughs> I don't see more of those on, yeah. like, social media. Get it together, 6-0. That's our, that's our booty box idea. <laughs> booty box idea. There we go. We got it. It's uh, ours now. Next time on the Autobahn Decepticast. We're going to get bestial. <laughs> Throw down. Like my favorite new rap group, Beast Reality. You just Google that. You know, It's fun times. So thank you to Mike and Michael and uh, Shock Mommy, no Shockwave, for sharing their content. Yep, I, I, I think everyone thought that that went really well. I it, it was so smooth. <laughs> Thanks to Alpha Magnus who wasn't on this episode, but he's around. He's just a good guy. <laughs> Figure we just shout him out. Other than that, if you want to support the show, give us a review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, you can like, sub on YouTube. We, of course, have Patreon at patreon.com slash apoddcast. Check out all the levels of support. See if you want that booty box. 
There's merch. Autopodcastcom slash store. And Maybe we'll have new merch that'll be discounted for Christmas presents that'll be late, because at this point you're hearing mm, this on the 17th or maybe the 26th or something. If you don't want that merch, though, that old stanky, dusty merch, you can buy us a drink. Yeah. For five doll hairs, I've... That's right. Send us five doll hairs uh, at Apoddecast on PayPal. Tell us what to drink. Tell me what to drink, and we'll drink it. You know, there's another way that we make money on this show. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And I decided to talk about it in the form of a song that is featured in White Christmas to tie this back into the holidays. Okay. And um, the the song on, on White Christmas is called Snow. But ah, I, I know it. I've put a little spin on it. Great. So I was going to play that for you guys. Please. Yeah. So let's see, I brought my little keyboard in here. Like that. It's kind of a symphony kind of deal. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys ready for this? Joe. <laughs> oh, God. It won't be long before I mention Joe for Joe. <laughs> Joe for Joe. <laughs> Joe. All payment types are welcome, even at Venmo. (laughs) Joe, the unknown patron's waiting for us to talk some Joe. Oh, where do they get their patients from? I don't know. Where Cobra Commander is screaming, he's frustrated, can you see? How's he supposed to take over the world? Why can't they just let him be? Oh, Joe. <laughs> Those glistening jets and tanks all sitting in a row. There, I got it now. <laughs> oh, when Cobra blows them up, my taxes grow and grow. <laughs> What's a podcast about Transformers with no Joe? No. Talking Joe with no dough. <laughs> Joe. I don't remember if it's dough for Joe or Joe for Joe. <laughs> there you go. Wow. That was my well, dough for Joe song. Not an Jim authorized Snow. song, but I'll take it. It's covered under parody. Yeah. No, I meant by us. We did not know he was going to do that, but I loved it. Well, he did bring a keyboard. He did. I've been sitting here the whole time wondering what the hell he was going to do with it. It's hard to notice things in this place. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's true. Like, he thought maybe that keyboard was always there. Ah, thank you for reminding me of that uh, potential money-making operation. Yeah, Yeah. there are no patrons waiting. He's got Waiting on us. Waiting on us. Yeah. Yep. Won't fund the ones we want to do. No, which I mean, which makes sense. Why that, would you? Yeah, it's it's like if I buy something at a restaurant and they're like, "This is what you're gonna eat." I mean, they actually, that you. is just where you go to a restaurant and you tell the chef to just make you whatever. Yeah, but that's your expectation. Yeah. All right, you can hang out with us Twitter, Facebook, Threads, Instagram, all of them at a Podcast. And if you become a patron at any level, you have access to the Discord. That's right. That's where we're mainly active. Show notes, fun, references, links, all can be found on page for this episode at autopoddecepticast.com. That's it. Bye. We did it. Happy holidays. That's Japan. Bye, bye, bye. And that's a wrap. So thank you all so much for joining us on this holiday special extravaganza. Not to mention the magic that is our year-long journey through the original G1 Transformers series. 
We're going to take a very, very brief holiday break, uh, but we'll be back with an all-new episode on January 14th, where we will jump tits deep into the mid-1990s with the classic animated series Beast Wars. Everyone is excited. In the meantime, I am 100% sure that we have enough content cut out of this two-parter for a Patreon-exclusive minisode, so look out for that, all you wonderful patrons. And guess what? There may or may not be a Jopisode lurking in the wings coming up very soon as well. So, to everybody out there, we hope you have a happy and safe holiday season, and we will see you in the new year. Uh, oh, also, we're going to TFCon LA, all three of us, so we cannot wait, and we hope to see you there in sunny La La Land. 2024, baby! What a year it's going to be, where <laughs> nothing goes wrong and all the horrible things that have been going on in the world over the past decade or so are completely fixed. That's my prediction, because why not start off the new year by setting ourselves up for disappointment? <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye, bye, bye. Pistols at dawn. is the sponsor of Autopod Decepticast. Yes, 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 yes.